Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. (laughs) Hello and happy Valentine's Day, tryhards. Happy Valentine's Day or Day of Love. Well, non-Welsh Valentine's Day. The the rest of the world is going Wednesday. Well, no, because it's um, isn't it celebrated in the Commonwealth countries? Well, I said non-Welsh, so we have St. Doyne Wednesday in January. Mm. I saw your very aggressive, happy Valentine's Day or something. It was so weird. So I basically I went to meet Catherine Hellev for a coffee this morning down by the water in Penarth, and we ended up having two coffees. And as I was walking back, this woman came barreling out of Weatherspoons on Windsor Road in Penarth with a bunch of roses in her hand, shoves one at me. Happy Valentine's Day, she says. I was like, oh, thank you. And then it said on it, God loves you on one side of the card. And on the other card, it says from Penarth Tabernacle Church. And I was like, not what I expected. And also I feel like if God loves me, there's a lot of things he could be doing to show it other than giving me a mouldy rose on Windsor Road. Um, one, don't be grateful, ungrateful. And two, because she clearly was very excited by the role she was given today, um, spreading love. The only missionary I'm getting on Valentine's Day, that's for sure. Going to rewind, actually, Yeah. to what you just said when you were with Katrin. You said you had two coffees. Do you always go for the same drink twice or would you mix it up? Well, interesting question. So I will have the same coffee... <laughs> but I have syrup in my first one, but not in my second. Oh, why? Because uh, I don't like to drink my calories and I'll let myself have a treat for one of my coffees of the day, but then the second one. Hang on a second. You don't like to drink your calories? Yeah. Are you joking? I mean, this is someone that does definitely enjoy a beer. Yeah, but I don't anymore, do I? It's quite a rarity for me to have... A beer. I mean, the only time I'm drinking at the moment is when I get free ones. So actually, I in fact, I haven't set foot in a pub in the UK this year. Wows it. I mean, there's beer gardens, so it means you don't have to actually go. I haven't been in a beer garden either. (laughs) I haven't been in a beer garden either. Yeah, but I haven't been I haven't been in a in a public alehouse this year. Oh, well, you need to hurry up and cash in all the free pints that you get. I know, more about that later. Why, I find it interesting that you asked me whether I would have the same coffee twice. Would you, I mean, Katrin had a cappuccino, then a tea. Yeah, see, I have a strong black coffee, so double espresso of extra water. So if I had the same drink twice, I'd be bouncing off the walls and probably have a headache and start shaking. And poop your pants. 
possibly. Um, so, yeah, I would normally go for a cup of tea as well, I think. Yeah. No, well, some I mean, people have a mocha, don't they? They'll go, oh, coffee, and then they have a mocha. So it's halfway house. No. Um, Betsy the dog only had one puppuccino. And hmm. yeah. um, talking about, well, talking about coffee, I went for my first ever coffee and cake social in the local village hall. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, got invited up by Kirsten, my friend. Who How much did you um, reduce the average age thereby? Um, the only reason there were younger people there than me was because it's half term in the primary school. So, right, okay. <laughs> um, no, it was really nice. I met quite a few locals um, that I hadn't met before, some not had. Um, and what was the coffee like? Instant? Yeah, so I had tea. Um, but um, I. There was there was like an array of cakes from the from the local yeah. bakery um, shop provided by Ellen, who's actually from Devon, um, and there was also a few um, savoury options in the pie warmer. So I thought, oh, they look good. Bit of a cheesy pie on offer here. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go for that. Anyway, so I got that one out, and I thought, God, it's a bit weighty. <laughs> what flavour is this? Anyway, I sat down and I was looking at it because I don't normally like cheesy stuff. So I like looking at it. I was going to say, like, the only time that you've eaten a cheesy pie probably was as a child in New Zealand, surely. Yeah, no, it was. Um, And quickly realised as I looked across the table that someone else was using a knife and fork for their pie. So as I got, I went and back, go and get, put my mask back on, go and get my cutlery, came back. A garlic pie? No, macaroni cheese pie. <laughs> the front door. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Number one, I cannot imagine how stodgy that is. Well, we took a short crust pastry. <laughs> it was basically. And what, like elbow macaroni or what? It was one of the worst things I've ever tried in my life. window up with that kind of thing, surely. It was so solid. It was basically, it was like the leftover macaroni cheese that someone had been eating out of a mug and taken out of that in terms of shape wise um, there wasn't much there wasn't much moisture in there I'm not gonna lie added ketchup to make it um manageable but yeah I I was I was interested by the carb on carb option um (laughs) but it was really nice to meet my local like local friends we once went to like a coffee, a charity coffee morning in Whitfield uh, Village Hall, which is actually where my cousin had a wedding reception many, many years ago, 30 years ago. And um, I have forever lived with the guilt. So it was mum, Sophie and I and my cousin Claire. And there was a lady selling like chutneys and jams. And she had this like spicy chutney. And mum was like, oh, should we buy this for dad and take it home for him? And I was like, oh, yeah, OK, then. And I remember like getting back and dad trying it and like putting it in a sandwich and eating it. And then me telling him about the woman who'd sold it to us. And mum had kind of forgotten to give him this detail that she had told us as we purchased it, that she basically rescued German shepherds and she had like 14 German shepherds. And as I'm telling dad this, he like pulls a hair out of his mouth. And I have never seen my dad look that green around the gills ever. And I forever live with the guilt of like how horrendous that must have been. Like imagine being the person being told that that 
ch homemade chutney was made in a house of 14 German shepherds as you find a hair in your mouth. I'd never eat again. I'd never <laughs> eat again. I would literally live on like slim fast shakes or something, something safe. Doggets, like, oh. <laughs> 14 dogs. Well, I was talking to German shepherds. Yeah, they're big. Or as William calls them, Jordan Peppers. Any reason why? He basically misheard me one day. I turned around and said, oh, German Shepherds are Karen Jones's favourite dog, William. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it, this cloth-eared, probably seven-year-old at the time. And then about three days later, we were out for a walk and he went, oh, what are those dogs called that Karen likes? Jordan Peppers? <laughs> no, William, German Shepherds. He was like... <laughs> Ah, oh, but he still calls them Jordan Peppers, who oh, I think right. sounds like an English defender who plays for like Liverpool or something. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Peppers, the right back at Anfield. Oh, you got the hiccups there, I, my friend. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's it's the thought of eating that that macaroni cheese pie. I I um what was bad is obviously you know when you go to a public place and you've never met people before, and then you feel like if you take something on the plate, you gotta eat it. It oh, was yeah. that. Yeah. That was the, and one of the ladies said to me, she, I was introduced and they said, oh, you know, and um, she said, oh, what, like, why are you here? And I said, I, like, I, I couldn't really hear her. And she was like, well, no, why are you here? I was like, um, like here in the village hall or here in the village or like the Highlands? <laughs> and she meant just in the Highlands, like, why are you here? <laughs> what did you She's say? Yeah. I'm a real wildlife enthusiast and, and yeah. I've decided to live oh, out my days. I'm going to tell you another little thing. It's a little bit gross. So down at, down at the beach, there's... Um, Love it when a story tend, starts like that. Ten, tends to be um, dead things or whatever that Koya will find and try and roll in. Um, not right. people, obviously. That's where one. this is going. <laughs> um, it's not some weird, like... Blade. Yeah, anyway. Um I went so down ITV of... drama at this point so by, that, weeks... by that author that you discovered remember Linda LaPlante <laughs> um and it's great so, new author um Koya normally finds anything that's dead she'll go and find it try and roll in it stink yeah. for days and unfortunately there was a big dead seal and yeah. yeah not good and as I got a bit closer to grab Koya to get her away from the seal I realized that it was missing its head oh my goodness and... <laughs> anyway it really confused me because there's like a stump of neck and I was like that's really weird like why would this happen so obviously with my mum being a vet rich my stepdad being a rep vet got asked them why would the head be removed like what's that about and they're like oh don't know like maybe Can I stop that... you like how how many seal decapitations do you expect that Subra has actually dealt with in her time as a vet like I know that she is a you know transcontinental vet and <laughs> across the world but is she not like a bovine specialist or something like where is this headless seal chat gonna lead with Suba well, so I said well, why why would the the head be eaten right so I was, I was so baffled by this anyway why the head well maybe it's the brains or the content I don't know like I was like it's really weird like it's literally gone anyway and everyone every time I found someone that I thought might understand about this or give me an idea of why this head was eaten and not the rest of the body all I could think of was eating the brain or something left the body because it's blubber anyway 
at the um coffee and cake afternoon so i'm sat there and i'm chatting and we're talking i don't even know why we're talking about this they're talking about two headless seals that have been now been found <laughs> i'm thinking what is going on like why do animals eat the heads and the whole table looked at me as if i was completely mad and basically they said they don't animals don't eat the heads they've been taken i said sorry and they said it as if it was totally normal that basically people in the village or two people in particular have been trying to get hold of a seal's head and when the seals had been washed up dead they cut them off and took them themselves why <laughs> what do they need the heads for <laughs> that is horrible <laughs> what are they doing with them <laughs> so i i was like i'm, I'm sorry this is that starting means... to feel like a true crime podcast, not a rugby one. Like, I don't like this. I'm going to have bad dreams about this now because, like, it, for a start, it is a well-known fact that most serial killers start with harming animals. So I'm going to have <laughs> bad not, dreams about this now. They're, they're already dead. But basically, um, yeah, so apparently two different couples have been looking for a seal's head apparently they're really impressive skulls they've got like big old teeth and stuff but um anyway yeah and then... you watch the sinner i mean you're probably um, watching about 10 years time but this feels like these are the kind just... of things that harry that happen around harry and then unfolds a murder in like cabot cove well i'm just happy because now i know it's not an animal it was just baffling me that an animal would take the head off so now i know it's not an animal, it's the humans that are taking it, collecting it. Um, there you go. Anyway, should we talk about a bit about rugby sensations? Oh my goodness, let's talk about anything else. <laughs> wow. Okay. Welcome to the okay. pod, everyone. This is a rugby podcast. This is a rugby podcast. And let's it's not about start, rugby. Let's start at the very beginning. Um, and the result of the weekend, perhaps. A thrilling game with a scoreline to match. But huge congratulations to the uh, the Baby Blues, the Junior Azuri, who be beat England on Friday night. What a result for Italy under-20s. 6-0. Absolute thriller. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it, but... Neither wow. have I, but what a result. Um, yeah, unbelievable. I'm trying to think whether I could claim it in any sense, shape or form with the coaching that I do. I don't think I well, can. I think I would suggest it's a trickle-down effect. You know, the exactly. kind of the things that you've imparted upon Italian rugby over the past couple of years is disseminating through club, uh, you know, age grade setups. And I, you know, it, it it has its foundations in the Cavaliers. Let's just say that uh, amongst other under 20s results on the weekend, Wales bounced back from a defeat to Ireland on Friday night and beat Scotland. I just want to say um a huge congratulations to those boys who really came under some you know, pretty tough scrutiny. They are young men. They're a young under-20s group. Obviously, you can play 20s rugby up to the age of 21 just to complicate matters, but you're only allowed to play it for two seasons. Um, Alex Mann, who captains the side, is a Cardiff rugby boy, um, very sweet boy, and really led from the front and picked up the Man of the Match award. And I think that 
they deserve a real pat on the back because they really got hammered by people. And let's remember, these are age-grade rugby players who have very little experience of top-level elite rugby. This is a big step to be, you know, representing your nation. So I just want to say a big well done to those Welsh boys. You really... Although, saying that, was he one of the Cardiff boys that played in the Champions Cup against Toulouse? So Alex was in and around that group training. Um, I think he was on the bench for one of the games. But even then, like, these are still very young men who got thrust into an you know insane situation really with those European Cup games there are a, a couple so um Cammy Winnette uh, well Cameron Winnette I need to stop calling him Cammy Winnette because it rhymes with because he's not Tammy. 10 and because it rhymes with Tammy Winnette uh but I like to stand by my man um as a joke for the uh <laughs> the soul fans out there um but yeah, a couple of them were involved in that. But even then, I don't think that necessarily has given them a huge amount of experience going into this. And also, I just think they showed really good resilience. I think it was really hard down in Cork last weekend and and they didn't play well and they got outclassed and outsmarted. This is the senior men, so... Yeah, I know, I know. So, you know. <laughs> um, but then let's talk about the seniors. And on uh, Saturday... You know, you don't become a bad team overnight and Wales proved that by uh, a slender victory, but by beating Scotland at home at the Principality Stadium. Um, as a neutral, Danielle Sean Waterman uh, and a, an outsider graduate of Cardiff uh, Metropolitan University uh, or UIC as was, do you think that Wales are a different beast when they're at home? How much did the Principality Stadium factor play a part in it? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously the Welsh have huge pride. Every nation has a huge pride of playing at home, but they were probably as a group pretty embarrassed by their showing the week before. They worked hard on it and came out firing. And I think even when they've been poor, so you think, look back to, I think, was it a Six Nations game that was finished in the autumn when Alan Wynne Jones became the most, yeah, Yeah. and they lost. Um, It actually, one thing that I would always say, and I you know, remember in my notes on the Welsh, is even when they're not playing that well ball in hand, attacking-wise, like, you know, they're not looking like they're firing or firing a punch and, you know, just don't really make too many indentations into a team. Um, their defence is fueled on a lot of passion and, and reasonably organised, but actually energetic and, and they get back up and they, they make it hard to score. Um, unless there's like a big defensive area where someone misses a tackle in the middle of the field or whatever. But I think that was something that was really poor in the first week. And it wasn't just defensive errors in terms of organisation, but it lacked intensity, it lacked energy. Um, Whereas that obviously came back. And does it have having a home crowd help? Of course it does. You don't be embarrassed in front of your home crowd, in front of your friends and family that are sat in the do you know what I mean like in the yeah, history yeah. and actually I kind of want to pick up on that with you because obviously you know let's not pretend for the sake of the podcast that this is the first time we've had discussions about the games and and during the games I know that in week one a huge amount of scrutiny was put on Josh Adams at 13 Nick Tompkins was at 12 did you feel like the center the midfield was shored up when Jonathan Davis came on Owen Watkin went to 12 is that where Wales need to proceed with their midfield options this six nations I, you know, I don't, I think this isn't a hit out at um, Nick Tompkins. It's more, 
it's such an, an incredibly important role at 12 you're basically the defensive marshal because the tens having to deal with a lot of stuff they're going to get they're going to get pulverized because that's where you you target normally it's your slightly smaller back um, other than your, your nine and so the 12 has to make sure they're looking after the 10 but if they don't get their line speed then everyone or their spacings everyone else is waiting and and the way and and also within the way that the game you play in attack and i, I just feel like there were moments where Nick Tompkins came into the game and you, you towards the end, there was a couple of like nice link passes. And I'm not saying that the 12s necessarily always get the commentaries, um, big, you know, wonder chats because they're not the people that finish off the tries or they're not, you know, whatever. But I just feel like when he, there's a next level for him if he wants to be in that starting shirt as a 12 week in week out and become that real you know lynch a linchpin in defense in particular 13 is a critical position but not but it's also helped by the 12 so yeah. i think that you know he's good and he's solid is he at the level that wales want to be at in terms of being world class if they want to mix it with the top top teams he has to go another level because Dan Bigger did. Yeah. Um, I think Owen Watkins was outstanding at times in 13. Um, Liam Williams came to life because it because Owen Watkins had his hands on the ball. So if the 13's busy, it normally means the 15 can be busy. The wingers are working hard. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all yeah. of these things that all link together. And I just feel like when you watch him, if you do a bit of a player cam around the field, it just looks a little bit lost. And that's, you know, he's only just probably hit in double figures with caps and I think yeah. that's forgotten and maybe he's been accelerated past where he could be because of his experience that is put on him from being an ex-Saracens player currently he's gone back he's back oh. at Saris okay yeah. so yeah so from that perspective this isn't as I say it's not me bashing Nick Tompkins it's me saying it's weird that he's gone under the radar given how brutal the welsh um media are on lots of players do you know what i mean that's really fair do you think though or are you surprised that wales elect to leave a 100 test cap player with the quality proven quality of jonathan davis on the bench did you think that wales looked better defensively and obviously critically at the end he won that penalty that that kind of saw scotland off at you know and, and final whistle the fact that wales can leave jonathan davis on the bench does it surprise you? Um, I think as years gone by, you know, maybe because I don't have the knowledge and history that you do at such an extreme level on Wales, although you didn't quite get the team right this week, um, showing your side of age, your short-term memories going, long-term memories still there. Um, <laughs> you could probably tell the team from 1981, Six Nations. Um, well, you were born Scotland. that year, but I wasn't. It was a Ooh. Five Nations, not a Six Nations day. Um, oh, you've always got to come back, haven't you, with such a noise. Um, so... Yeah, I think if Wales could stay within that game, which they were, I think they were going to, given the intensity, given the pressure on Scotland, having just beaten England and all that type of jazz, having the ability to bring someone on like that to see out a defensive shift is huge. And that's a, that's a, it's basically a trump card in your pack. So do I think him coming off the bench is a bad thing? No, it's just, what does when do you think you're going to win the game 
Yeah. And I think this the game is going to be won at the end for that. And obviously that's that's a bit weird one to say, but sometimes you can pull away from a team and you've yeah. done the damage early on and the bench just bring energy and enthusiasm rather than experience and intent. Did he start against England? Um I'd start him at yeah. Yeah, because I think occasion is huge. I think um, a couple of defensive errors and Wales are really clinging on to staying anywhere close to the game. Um, I think you go as solid as you possibly can to, to frustrate England. Look what Italy did. They stayed in the game and they frustrated England. Um, England wanted to keep trying to play and Italy weren't giving up, um, which yeah. is what they've traditionally done. So, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... One of the things that's kind of reared its head today in the wash up is question marks over Finn Russell's um, discipline and the fact that he is consistently picking cards up. Is he unlucky? Is that an issue for Scotland? Is it something that's going to see his position um, perhaps questioned in the side? Or does he just offer enough as such a talismanic, talented player that it's something you just have to overlook? Um. If he hadn't been whacked by the prop and if it had been maybe slightly different, he'd have caught that and Finn Russell, the maverick, is the legend. He caught yeah. it, runs and they score a try. And, oh, my gosh, you know, you, you play on the line with someone like that. And I think the biggest thing for him and his team is how the team respond to that 10 minutes without him and how they feel about it. It's not. I don't think it's actually down to the coaches, really, because it's the players that are having to mop that up. So if they say to him, mate you got to wrap it in like we can't handle that 10 minutes without you then then if I was him I'd be like okay I've got to listen to them if they say well actually you get take the rough of the smooth and what he offers is fine you go with it but the other thing is for him one of the most impressive things for me is he has a unique he seems to have a unique ability to not beat himself up about problems and and trying and I just think that there is so much so much in that that I wish I had as a player because I I was fortunate enough I was away from the heat of the battle to deal with mistakes badly because and that you know that's in all honesty because you know in England's defense I didn't have to get really involved because the front line was so good and I would be I could get my hands on good, decent, tidy ball. I wouldn't have to go, I'd go looking and stuff, but I had good players around me. When I played in teams and I felt like I'd made a mistake, I would try and overplay and get, and I'd get frustrated. I'd then make it harder for my teammates to play around me just because I was overdoing everything and getting really angry and frustrated. So I just think he, it's, it's wonderful that he can be like that. And some people will say, it looks like he doesn't care. Of course he does. He will care massively, but he won't let it affect that moment. He will yeah. care and deal with it off the field after the 80 minutes. He'll look at the analysis and probably watches more rugby than any of the people in the team. Um, there's one tiny bit of analysis that I saw. I think it was on a rerun in the build-up to the game. And for anyone that wants to understand the decision-making behind a fly half and, and run kick pass and stuff, there's a really cool clip of when he kicks the ball to Jamie, uh, uh, Luke Cowan-Dickey's corner. Yeah. Um, 
and his eyes if you track where he looks he looks he looks and sees it's Luke Caron Dickey then he looks at his teammate and he and then his head doesn't come up again because yeah. he's kicking the ball because he knows he's predicted he's basically predict right this is where I need to kick the ball I'm kicking it because that player is there my player's in position it's all good I know how much weight I've done this kick however many times before I just like that little bit of detail it wasn't spoken about but in the on the coverage but I just love it so if you can ever watch a slow-mo of someone just watch their eyes watch yeah and it's there's like this big bit of technology that's real it's pretty old school like in terms of it's like it's got glasses like you and you've got to run around (laughs) no but you can't actually, as much as you can track where my head is, you won't track where my eyes are. Yeah. And it would be brilliant to know when there's like retinal scanning of like, what does, what are people actually looking at? Yeah. You know, what pictures are they looking at? Um, it's funny when you talk about um, the way that he is and, and people say, because he's so nonchalant, people saying that like, you know, he doesn't <laughs> care and stuff. I was with Josh McAnally from Bath um, the week before last, last week. And he was talking about Cam Redpath. And Great how- guy. Josh great, guy. great guy great guy um and josh was talking about cam redpath and how he gets it absolutely ripped out of him at bath because you know cam redpath is a professional rugby player son of a scotland legend should be unfazed by this but he is finn russell's biggest fan and all he talks about <laughs> is finn Finn does this, Finn does that. Oh, you should have seen this thing that Finn did. Finn's amazing. And they just rip him to pieces about it. But he lives in absolute awe of him. And I love hearing things like that. (laughs) She'd call him baby shark. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they absolutely love him. So um, yeah, very cool. Um, So Scotland. One thing I will say about all of this is that I find it I I actually talked about this on Radio Wales the other week I feel like Wales have become the villains a little bit in Northern Hemisphere rugby and like nobody likes Wales because they've been successful over the past 15-20 years because if you looked last week everybody wrote Wales off and they were like yeah Wales will be fifth you know they'll beat Italy that'll be it and I just think this team won the Six Nations last year yeah there's lots of injuries yes Alan Wynn isn't there but write them off at your peril and I just find it very entertaining yeah but it's like people saying that Scotland were going to win the grand slam because they beat England like I just like I you know both of us got full all three predictions right on match point we called the winners um how you're doing as well as you do it just does make it does make me laugh let's talk um, about that later I'll I'll give you the masterclass a bit later my friend um up for now but yeah like I don't know. It's like they get carried away with the emotion of the win and don't look at the actual way they've won or how the opposition have played. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, England beating Italy. I For eight, for the last how many years? We can go back through the podcasts. I've been saying that Italy are a good side and everyone, oh, they're rubbish, they're rubbish. They're, yeah. But look at the performances. Look at the stuff they're starting to string together. You know, like, it's, there's just the Can last... I just say, like, it's really entertained me that you've brought up Italy and your half Italian dog, because she's got an Italian dad, has like come onto the sofa and interested in this bit of the chat. She's like, Italy, that's who me and my dad, that's who me and my dad support. And you're wearing an Italy jacket, Nolly. It's a fleece and it's really warm because it's a little bit um, chilly up here in the Highlands today. So shall we talk about, we'll talk about France Island last and we've, we've naturally come on to England, Italy. How frustrating are Italy? Why don't they just take the points? Why oh, don't they especially- take the points? Mate, especially when I would, I'd put 
23 is a deficit and they were sad 26 with 53 <laughs> penalties in front of the post. I was like, just kick them, please. I know. Um, can I just say, before we go into the game, I mean, there's not really much I can say about it, but um, it's really good. So Sebastian Negri tweeted today saying that he was all good and that he's going to follow HIA protocols and stuff. He took a huge hit. Yeah. Um, Elish Gaines. Elish <laughs> Um, the tombstones in stay with him and the, like he was part of the collision and held him basically stopped the get like there he shouted yeah. stop the game um but it's just really nice just to see him tweet and just to make sure that he's okay so yeah that's good amounts of scrutiny for the referee over during the game and, and moving things on quickly and um you know yeah i don't really agree with that but one thing i, I will I don't say really is... agree with him him hurrying an hia call that's come from a come from the match day doctor um, really bizarre. One thing that is really that isn't great about all of it, as well, is just that I was so excited to see Jack Noel play. Over a thousand days, he hasn't started for England, yeah. and I genuinely just think he's a wonderful player. He's a great bloke, and I'm just gutted for him because he's worked so hard. And it's just one of those. It's like when I came back from my knee, hadn't played for 17 months or however long it was, and then broke my cheek in three places. It's like, it's not one of your other injuries. So you kind of go, yeah. oh, that's just rugby. But yeah. it's just so frustrating. You're like, everything else is fine. For once, yeah. my body is okay. I've just smashed my face in. Or I've At my least hair. for him now, it is a fallow week. He will follow concussion protocols. And we, well, I don't hope to see him at Twickenham for <laughs> the Wales in, in a fortnight. But there's every likelihood that we will. How impressed were you with England? What value were they for the win? Do they look a better side following their loss last week? Is this the ideal result they could have had after losing up at Merrifield, getting that that W on the board? Um, you know what? When England looked on point and they didn't give away silly, didn't make stupid handling errors or give away penalties, they looked unbelievable. They literally looked like a fighter jet. You know, like they're, they're, they're nothing, no one in there, in the, whoever they were playing wouldn't be able to stop them. You know, there was an intensity about it. There was, there was skill, there was like creation and, and, and how they wanted to play. Yeah. And, 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 and it mixed between lots of different styles within certain big plays. The problem is, is there's only small parts of that. But what's good is we are 18 months out of a World Cup. If yeah. you are, this can't be happening next year. This probably should have happened a little bit more in the autumn. It didn't. Yeah. So it's happening now. But it means that if they can start to iron out the, their way that they play, for me, it's super exciting for next year. And it'll be frustrating as hell as team because they'll be looking at it going, oh, like we did so well. And why, you know, this didn't quite go right. And I know if I was a player, I'd be annoyed in that analysis session. Yeah. Only putting that many points on Italy when they should have absolutely pummeled them so yeah I I think that they were great um interesting that Marcus Smith got player of the match I think like it was but um because actually Jamie George I think I I really wanted him to get a hat trick because I think it was the first time we've seen Hooker score two tries that weren't on the back of a more from a missed well, pass from Jamie George, <laughs> you know, giving the ball and he will score. I find it quite funny that the old adage is forwards win the game, backs decide by how much, because when it comes to England, forwards win the game and also decide <laughs> by how much. Um, 
we have to say huge congratulations to Ben Youngs, who becomes England men's most capped player of all time, overtaking Fun Bus. No, equaled it. So it's 100, both on 114 now. Oh, I thought he overtook no, the so they're, but No, so they're both on 114. I saw a few different tweets that were kind of naysayers of Ben Youngs. I won't say what they said because it was a little bit mean. But the fact that he's still in and around that squad, how much, how important is it that Marcus Smith has somebody with that kind of experience inside him at the moment in terms of the fact we are 18 months out from a World Cup there's no use battering Marcus Smith and him, you know, having to, to kind of uh, struggle through games and there being lots of inexperience there in the halfbacks. Do you think that Eddie Jones is doing the right thing by keeping Ben Youngs around, even if he might not be in Paris in, in a year and a half's time? Um, yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, Ben is a really lovely guy and no matter what people say about him, it's unbelievable what players can bring to a training environment. And he is still an international nine, you know, he like, yeah, there might be more exciting nines or there might be nines that, you know, like, like Harry Randall, like Rafi Quirk, you know, that are coming up that will change the game. But the difference he ha- he can make is huge in a team that is pretty unsettled in terms of their backline. Backline haven't really functioned well for a good few years now, since probably since the World Cup. So like, and actually, even then, it's like, do you know what I mean? You look back for traditions, you know, England have got all of these amazing players, but there aren't many groups of players that are, oh my God, that that team, wow, that yeah. back line. No, no one's making that back team, back line from any yeah. other team. That it's, it's, it would only ever be England. So I think he's... I think he's really important to the team. Um, and actually, I'm really pleased. Something I've noticed recently... Um, was the fact that people were saying the most cap men's player um, and also there's there's a lot of stuff at the moment from Rugby World Cup, from World Rugby, from England Rugby, um, putting gender into their tweets about lots of things and about all their posts saying about men's uh, international or women. So, and, and I just think it's really good. And yeah. I think someone has taken the time to do it. It's small, but it makes a big difference because it includes, but then it only takes the slip of one person in a pretty, you know, whether that's commentary or whatever. Um, they were all over that. They were fine with it, but it's, do you know what I mean? But it's just, yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's really good. Okay. Let's park, park the uh, Italy, England game. And probably the game of the weekend. What what a showdown it was. Uh, France versus Ireland in Paris. Um, apologies, Koya. Koya, Koya what wanted, are you doing? Koya wanted to contribute to that, um, to the conversation. Um, maybe it's a slightly ginger Irish roots that she was saying she was disappointed. Um, I, uh, what a, I just, what a ferocious, a ferocious test match. Um, I think Joey Carberry having to step up at 10 for Ireland, not ideal in that space of time, but for the future, actually, again, 18 months out from a World Cup, I don't think Ireland, all right, yes, yeah, taken away their Grand Slam hopes, but let's be honest, 
they don't need to win something again the year before a World Cup. So actually... yeah, exactly at the end of the day, like <laughs> don't peak two years before a World Cup. You know, it's oh yeah, well, it's the World Cup next year, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah, next year, which is what they did last time. They beat New Zealand, were game world number one, and they've never won a knockout game at a World Cup. Let's face it, yeah. no, not that I like to bring that up with great frequency. Um, France are going to win the World Cup, though, aren't they? I'm I'm literally I've got my cousin's French my cousins are French um Ethan Yasmin and Zara so I'm now going to be French as well we all know I look absolutely stunning in a beret as well um I'm just going to be French because I'm fully backing them to win the world cup at home no we um you know it just depends like if Anton Dupont is fit and very they'll win it like if he's in form he's literally like a game changer like him it's so ridiculous when he's not playing or not in form teams don't play well when he plays well it's mm. just ridiculous but then and people were like calling. amazing as well yeah but people were calling for him to like oh why has he been taken off by by 60 minutes ish he was walking like he was like on his knees basically um and like fair play to the French. I think the one thing that they've got now is that depth and courage to say they've given their all, we can take them off now. They've got and a I harder think, edge to them all of a sudden, haven't they? Well, I just think that their quality on their bench is just not many people can can live with that. I think England potentially, when they've got more people fit, you know, you look at the likes of Joe Launchbury, um, Courtney Laws coming on, you know, you, you don't look at them and think, oh, Ooh, you kind of think yeah. oh no oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah whereas I think France are getting to that point where they now have a bench and as a coaching team and I can imagine what they see is that player is our starting player that player has given absolutely everything they're starting to flag we we can get someone on and the game will either maintain because of what we've how we've selected or it will change because we've selected someone that's totally different. Yeah. So when that change needs to come, it happens. And I, I just feel like the one thing that they can do is instead of saying, Anton Dupont, yes, you are the world's best and you are our game changer, you will give absolutely everything, but we've also got a world-class nine backing you up. So when yeah. you've given everything, you can come off and we're not going to drag the arse at you, basically. I did love O'Driscoll's um, analysis of the game and just... You know, on the one hand, obviously, Ireland losing and him being gutted, but just how, you know, one of the most world-class players of all time talking about the, the best player in the world at the moment and just how Dricko, you know, talking about how he does the same things all the time and he just does them with such quality, you can't counter that. And it was, I just loved it. It was, that was the kind of rugby you want to be watching. That game was absolutely amazing. And I think each week we say, oh, this game's going to be the game of the tournament. And it just shows where the Six Nations is and why this is the greatest tournament in world rugby. You know, what's also good at the moment is I don't also have to try and think about women's rugby. <laughs> I know I do, but they're I'm not like... running concurrently. Yeah. And I know I do. Obviously, I do because I keep an eye on what's going on. But I don't think oh, I've got to try and oh, I'm going to miss one of the Red Roses games or I'm like, do you know what I mean? And I just genuinely thank you because thank you. Six I also think, like it's, you know, 
we're doing the pod and we're chatting through the games and we're, you know, talking about each game as opposed to normally we're like, right, should we wait the women's game or the men's game out of the, the two fixtures this weekend? Which one are we going to talk? Are we going to talk more about England, Italy women or England, Italy men? And we try and balance it. Whereas we can spend the duration of the men's tournament talking about the men's games. And then we get this free hit at the women's again, where it's standalone and we can each week talk about just the girls and celebrate a huge tournament of women's rugby and I just think this is the I know that not everyone agrees but I love it and I think no, it's great. Um, mate you wanted to make a little talking about celebrating the girls there's one girl from across the pond that you wanted to celebrate uh one of my best friends in rugby uh another another bloody black fern because I am thick as thieves of those girls uh got a shout out to our our favorite fiery head uh player in the world Niall Williams has today started doing a little bit of mini contact she obviously had um she's had quite a serious neck issue that she's required surgery on and meant that she missed the Olympics which broke her heart and and broke I'm sure many of her teammates hearts because she's one of the coolest kids around and gives so much and has given so much to the Black Ferns Sevens jersey and yeah she's she's back in the Black Ferns gym doing a bit of contact and we love to see it I'm so happy for her I mean I'm not happy for the rest of the world because no. it's me someone's gonna get I, I feel she's like an enforcer bit... isn't she she is the definition of enforcer um, I feel like her doing a light little bit of light contact is probably similar to how I would approach full contact <laughs> in training um you know just interesting just a few other shout outs um so I don't know whether you saw it uh, Ellie Bowman who plays at Wasps or not Bristol Bears as I announced proudly in my commentary which obviously I'm sure upset I text Ellie and was like mate I'm really sorry and she's like don't worry I think Giselle's upset I was like oh god okay they, anyway they kick uh, you off of the wasps, wasps the wasps, wasps, wasps the wasp not anymore yeah well the wasps the wasps flyer burnt Naya Tapper which is for like no mean fate in to win this well first try I think on the board in the semi-final in the final oh, gosh Anyway, Ellie put out something on her Instagram um, and I think it was TikTok um, about body image and how previously she had worried so much about what she looked like that she didn't really eat. And although she was doing all this training, she was just really slim. And now, you know, she knows to perform, she needs to eat and she and actually she's done like a contrast. I mean, she's got she unbelievable rig, like wicked. like, And she's such a she's got a lot of talent in rugby and it's been really nice to see her excel and accelerate herself at Wasps and then get this opportunity with England Evans as well and Team GB last year um so yeah I just wanted to give her a bit of a shout out because I think what what she's did put herself out there a little bit it's just created a bit of conversation which is cool and and then another person on a completely different level I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to and that's my mate Ed Jackson who for those that haven't followed his story had a spinal cord injury wrote a book um called Lucky and he if you don't follow him on Instagram I definitely would recommend him but also his wife Lois Jackson because they've been on holiday and they've been putting out different pieces around what it's like to 
to be a couple with a, with someone's got a spinal cord injury what effects does that have on love life on like how they are and um and, and Lois is really cool at being open about how she feels and she's a life coach now so that's that's I find her story is really interesting but something that Ed put out there was a recent post saying that behind all the smiles and behind all of the amazing places he goes actually it is pretty difficult and he talks about um you know incontinence and being uncomfortable and falling and you know and actually I just love I love his vulnerability I love that openness just to say things in a really normal way and things that are like taboo actually shouldn't be and if him putting that out there um helps someone then yeah and I I messaged him actually because I asked him for a bit of a favor Emma Harbage someone I um coached at Hartbury plays she lives over in America and she put on a story about a girl called Rachel Powell, um, who unfortunately was a teammate, but injured her neck playing in a preseason game. And I, I instantly said to Emma, you know, how can I help? So I put it on my story and I tweeted about it and obviously donated. And anyone that hasn't seen that, please do donate and help towards uh, Rachel's recovery. It's not just the physical stuff, but the mental health stuff. And she, I said to her, you know, how can I help? And instantly I messaged Ed and I said, look, please, can you just reach out? And he was like, at, like within like a minute of me messaging him, he came back to me. Yeah. Tell me who it is, who's yeah. the net. Like, and I just love that. And I just think that there are lots of people in this world that like to think they're doing good things. Um, but actually Ed is, and he's, yeah. he's just one of the good guys that's really making a difference. I just want to give him a shout out. I think it's really interesting. I read that post of Ed's and I think everyone's very aware of the kind of um, disability side of things that Ed deals with and the quite obvious things, obviously, um, he, the use of his leg that he has in terms of the fact that he's not, whilst he's walking around, he's not using his legs in the way that we are. He's having to use other muscle groups to pull his leg through a step and stuff like that. And, you know, he is he is quadriplegic, that is the, or paraplegic, that is the nature of it, despite the fact he's walking around, he is paraplegic. But it, I think the bravery for me is the fact that, as you say, things are taboo, but I think for men, it's even, it's even greater. And just putting the word incontinence in that caption is quite shocking, but that's the reality of what Ed is living with. And and the bravery and honesty that he shows by sharing that I just think it's amazing and actually it made me kind of think of 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 men's health and the way that you know we we talk a lot at the moment about men's mental health and and checking in on each other but the physical side of health for men is just important and again is somewhere that men don't talk enough and I'm actually on Friday I'm going to be part of the prostate cumry lunch in Cardiff at the store places available I am I'm hosting the Q&A there oh nice yeah there's um I don't really know what the the like score with it is. There's some Gareth Edwards bloke. I don't know some old fella there. <laughs> they're roping in. Pray for me. Um, it's like a hundred years since he scored some amazing try or something. But yeah, it's going to be really cool. But it for me, it's really interesting how in, like the people involved with this charity, people that I've known a long time through my time working in rugby, and just how men don't talk about this, and I kind of. I said to dad earlier on, do you want to come? Um, and I mentioned somebody that he knows that's coming. And he said, oh, I think I think he's had an issue with his prostate. And then he was like, probably shouldn't say that to you. And I think this is part, it feeds into it, isn't it? That men 
don't feel comfortable talking about you know their health and physical health and mental health and and the more that ed does in that space the more it opens things up and and that's where huge respect goes to that man because he is a very special man and he does very special things question for you are you playing wordle no tell you what it is taking over my life every morning i go on to work the word out this morning it nearly had me um are you you no it's literally five letters and you just got to work it out you get six guesses it's hanging mate it's hanging this morning horrendous um are you another quiz are you doing on thursday of every week match point to a sports quiz yeah i'll tell you what i'll warm you up for this week's because i've got three questions that are a taster of what are on the match point thursday quiz question one i'm hosting i'm actually hosting a quiz i'm hosting a table at a quiz on friday night oh well here's some good practice for you (laughs) who in this year's six nations tournament are currently top joint try scorers with france on seven is it a england b ireland or c scotland ireland correct who made their england debut in paris was it a harry randall b ollie chesham or c alex dombrant ollie chesham correct chesham Chesham. i thought it was do you see his little little brother i think there no also i mean i could tell by the haircut they were related team ginger (laughs) you would know uh and a final question how many of jonathan davis's 100 test caps have come for wales a 96 b 97 or c 94 i was gonna say if the question was how many aren't england aren't wales i was gonna say four so i'm gonna say but oh is it 94 how many no because he played in three lions He's done a few different... I'm going to go 94. Correct! Three out of three. Well, if you feel confident, Nolly, you could play the Match Pint Thursday sports quiz to win yourself a free pint. I know that you've got a couple in the bank from the weekend. Um, Perfect score for me on... uh, Yes, and I thought a perfect score for me, even tweeted about it. Um, I thought I'd put three. I hadn't, I'd put two. Well, so there you go but I'm happy for you mate I'm happy for you I'm happy that I did well this week I just don't understand what makes me laugh is just how you keep doing well <laughs> but I don't like I mean I could say this and everything like goes to pot for me in the next few weeks but you've just got to think about it you've just got to be realistic have a think about it be true to yourself, true to your, your roots. And yeah, yeah. I actually, and on, so on Saturday, I tweeted before the game that I had gone Wales by three on match point. And I was a little bit worried I was going to put the mockers on it because I never publicly say what I've done. And in fact, when Dom and Pete from match point put those graphics up before a game and reveal what I've predicted, it makes me really angry because I don't like people to know. I don't want people to copy me. 
and I also feel like it's unlucky and it won't come true so it won't come true well you know it so I actually did it a little bit to get rid of that I don't like what's the word I don't like superstition 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 I'm not a superstitious person do I tell you what I used to I tried to have a superstition when I played just because I everyone had them on lucky pants or pack the bag the night before, sleep in their shirt, blah blah blah, all these things. You're so like, disorganized, I can't imagine. I don't have any one. Of those I, I was like, I don't have one. And I someone said, Well, surely you do something consistently. And I was like, uh, play well for England. Eat cocoa pops. So my <laughs> Wow. So I used to eat cocoa pops before I go. And everyone oh, mate, like, oh, did I tell you in Seville? Because I basically didn't read the signs properly in breakfast, I had cocoa pops with warm milk. Fantastic, hmm. fantastic. You'd have to eat them quite quickly though, because they'd become soggy little buggers if you. Yeah, they became very soggy very quickly, but they were delicious. They weren't proper cocoa pops though; they were like. Well, that's just because it's like a warm milk chocolate, basically. Yeah, you know I love a hot chocolate. It was delicious. Um, I'm trying to think of like superstitions. I find player superstitions quite interesting so like Jamie Roberts I've always found it entertaining because obviously I've known Jamie a long time when Jamie has had like milestone caps for Wales because Jamie's got superstition he has to be the second person out so if you watch every test match that Jamie plays and he's always the second after the captain to leave the tunnel and obviously when you win like a landmark cap they send you out first so I always used to wonder how that affected Jamie's kind of mentality honestly some of the stuff that people do I just it blows my mind like how they've even got themselves into that kerfuffle that they who's the weirdest one that you've played with um I mean Tamara Taylor would sleep in her playing shirt what to like break it in well, I don't know. She'd sleep in it, and I, I'd find that. Re- I'm, I'm pretty sure. I never surely the kit man would require it before. No, we would get presented with them, and then you, you take the shirt to the game yourself. Oh, We're not I the men's game. Gave them back <laughs> after shirt presentation. Um, no, no. You get to, it depends. Like, know anyone who's ever forgotten it at the team hotel? Uh, no, actually. Forgotten boots, forgotten gum shield, not forgotten shirt. I nearly have, I think. That um, does not surprise me at all. I think I'm pretty sure Sarah Hunter has to pack her bag in a certain way the night before the game. I think she's got some weird like packing thing going on. Um, Fleeto would always just be about tan, like top of her. <laughs> um, I reckon yeah, I mean, I listeners think, should send us the weirdest things. superstitions that they've seen or know of, because I'm quite intrigued now. I'm not a superstitious person, so I'm intrigued by other people's superstitions. Yeah, that's a good shout. Anyone, send them in. And on that note, Koya needs a dinner, so I'm going to have to say, love you and leave you on Valentine's Day. Mwah. Bye.